Hi, I'm Brad Rex, the former vice president for Disney's Epcot theme park, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge podcast. Hi there, I'm Lee Cockrell. I'm the former executive vice president of Walt Disney World, and Mickey Mouse was my boss. And you're listening to the Coaster Challenge podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please, secure your hats and glasses, and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your hosts, Andrew Locke. Hi everyone, this is Andrew, one of the executive producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast here with you today. I've got a very unique, special guest, actually a personal friend of mine. And to introduce him, I want to talk about kind of some, some positivity. Now, normally we talk a lot about positivity in this podcast. We talk about people living positive lives, uh, you know, not, not giving into fear and anxiety and depression and things like that, you know, and, and whatnot. But this particular guest today certainly lives like that but he has something else about him that i think is really a good thing to highlight and think will come up here in the interview um the guest that i'm going to be talking to today is one of the most kind compassionate and generous people i've ever met in my life he will give you the shirt off his back he is so great about doing favors for people helping people out tips and tricks about the parks uh, all sorts of stuff, but uh, but anyway, he's been very generous, and yeah, and certainly to myself, but especially this to friends of mine more so than myself because I'm already living here in Florida, have annual passes and things like that. I'm already kind of keyed in, but with a lot of friends that I've come visiting, uh, he's uh, always helping out because he's a local here in Florida as well, and just just an amazing person. The things that he's done for so many friends and for friends of mine and other friends that just he knows and. Anyway, he's a, just a wonderful person. It's just another aspect of positivity. And with all that said, the uh, person that I am going to be talking to today, it's none other than Mr. Michael Muldoon. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thanks so much, Andrew. Um, it's great to be on. Um, I was back. Uh, I was on back in November um, for the IAPA live stream discussion, but it's great to be on, on, on an official interview now. Absolutely. Yeah, Michael, you are unique in that not so much that you're been on the podcast now the second time here today because there's a few other at least two other people that have that status if you will right. status uh but you are unique in that you did not do the kind of regular interview the typical interview which is what we do today uh first you did a special episode first and as i promised when we recorded that i think i said it during the recording that we would have you on to do the regular interview and and i would give you kind of you know the individualized treatment I think is the right. best way to put it. Uh, with all that said, so here you are. We're going to take you through the typical interview. We're going to talk about a couple of things that 
are unique to you later on in the in the kind of second half of the interview. But the first half is going to be our typical uh, theme park time machine. But before we even get to the theme park time machine, we'll kind of have a, an icebreaker. Not that you really need that, Michael. But uh, you know, let's let's talk about. You know, I already know you very well. I've been friends with you now what for like five or so years, yeah. more than five years. We've known each other for quite a while. Uh, you know, ups and downs and everything else, literally and figuratively. But for our audience who doesn't know you at all, or maybe even know you as well, um, tell tell them about yourself and your love of parks and coasters, and, and also your experience working in the industry. Of course. Um, so I live and grew up in Tampa. Um, home park has always been on um, Bush Gardens. I'm always going to Disney and SeaWorld a lot as well. Um, didn't go to Universal until I was um, in my late teens, though. Um, but I w- I'm happy to talk about my work. Um, I started actually working at SeaWorld Orlando as an, in- as an intern in operations back when I was 20 years old. That was my first theme park job. Um, wow. And I actually worked full time um, for the SeaWorld and Bush Gardens company for six years um, at SeaWorld Orlando, Bush Gardens Tampa, and even um, about a half a year at SeaWorld San Antonio. Oh, that's and great. Yeah. I've always enjoyed working for that, for that company. People are like, oh, I want to work at Disney for my whole life. I want to work at Universal for my whole life. <laughs> I want to work at C- I want to work at SeaWorld Parks Entertainment, which you don't you don't find people that want to work there very often. A lot of people, um, especially at SeaWorld Orlando, they, they just have second jobs there. They might have a, a full-time job at Universal. They might work at SeaWorld on the side, You know, which I totally support. Um, everyone has their own preference. Um, I also want to talk about um, my social media. We'll get into that. Um, I'm one of the admins of the Bush Gardens and SeaWorld past member groups on Facebook. And even before that, I, I ran another page called Stand with SeaWorld. Um, ran that page for about a year and a half. And made some wonderful memories, wonderful social media and marketing contacts I was able to get out of um, the Stand with SeaWorld page and the past member groups as well. Um, so we'll get into all that. Um, after, after six years with the SeaWorld company, I decided to um, take another full, take a full-time job um, outside of the theme park industry. Hardest, hardest decision of my life. I'll never forget. Andrew, I'm sure you'll never forget. What yep. I cried yep. very hard that day. And yeah. I still wonder, should I have done that? But I have a Monday through Friday job at my house in healthcare and finance. I've never been happier. And I actually still work at Bush Gardens on the weekends as a tour guide, right. which I couldn't have done right. if I was working there full time. And now I get all the Bush Gardens employee benefits and I get to give tours to the place I've been going to my whole life. It's yeah, it's the best in the world. Yeah, and that's awesome. You have the best of both worlds there because you've I do. got that. That Monday through Friday job, which is coveted, you know, the pay, the the benefits, you know, the fact you have your weekends free other than, right. you know, the once or so a month or a couple times a month, depending upon the time of year that you do the right. VIP tour yeah. ride at BGT. Um, but you have that freedom because, you know, like like me and like a lot of enthusiasts, you like to travel and, you know, right. travel, having those weekends to travel and whatnot. That's important. Uh, you know, so I totally get it. And uh, I think you've made a good decision. But, you know, at the bottom line, at the end of the day. I know it was an emotional experience for you to transition like that. And I think you've been happy. It seems like you've been happy with the, with the decision. Yeah. You know, you can always change. You can always go back to the parks full time or work in the parks more often. Um, you know, but, um, you know, so don't, don't look at it as an absolute. Right. You know, and as far as uh, you're working, you know, currently your kind of latest part of your journey working in the parks where you're working part time at Bush Gardens, being a VIP tour guide, you, of all the friends that I have, all the people I know that work in the parks, you are the best 
person to be a VIP tour guide because of the natural. Yeah, I'm assuming it's natural, right, Michael? I mean, if yeah. either you're really good at it, you know, that, that your tendency to want to help people, right? That's a natural thing for you, right? Yes. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I know that I can help someone have the best day ever at Bush Gardens. And I'm like, it's the best job in the world. Just may help someone have the best day ever. People give me hugs at the end of the day. They're like, I want your email. I want your Instagram, your Facebook, because we want to have you again. It's great. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're very sociable, very personable. Again, you love helping people. And so you're perfect for the, the tour guide job. And, and you know, again, like I was saying earlier about how, how awesome you are at being so generous and kind to people and all that. You know, you've done some things for me over the years. And, you know, whenever I can, I try to do something for you. And and that's why, you know, here we are, you know, they're in season three. We're recording this in the spring here. And karma, I'm a very strong believer in karma. Karma works both ways. There's bad karma. And there's good karma. And we're not going to get the details, but there was some bad karma last week regarding a friend of mine that was very rude to me. That is no longer a friend of mine because of that, which thankfully that sort of thing is very rare, very rarely happens to me. Uh, But because of him and what he did and him being pushed out of my life, out of my choosing because how he treated me, that opened up an opportunity for me to do something that I was like, oh, I immediately I knew who I was going to give that opportunity to since this other friend was gone, was being pushed out. And, and I was so happy to do that for you because, again, you've done so much, you know, you know, done some things for me, but especially you've done a lot of things kind of kind of second ring around me, you know, friends of mine that yeah. were looking for something that I was trying to help them out. Right. And I came to you or you came to me. But, you know, when you when I was able to take you, thanks to our mutual friend, Amanda, uh, who works at, at Disney, when she had a spot open that she said she, she offered to me an additional spot beyond that that she said I could bring someone else for the Trump previews there at Magic Kingdom. I was like, Michael, you were at the top of my list for two reasons. Thank you. Yes. Absolutely. One was because of how awesome you are, how kind you are, how generous you are, all the things I mentioned already. And then two, I was pretty sure you hadn't been on Trump. But even if you had, I'm like, no, you've got to be the person to go. And we had a great, great morning. We did. Yeah, I yeah. had not ridden before, so I, I was honored. I was so happy that you were my first ride. I had two other invites from cast members. So they were on weekdays, and I couldn't take the day off work. So Yeah, yeah uh, you don't yeah. live that close to Disney. Yeah, so I'm glad right. we were able to make it for you for a weekend because you don't live as close by. Yeah, I'm glad that worked out. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. So you mentioned about how it's a little bit uncommon that you really, you've really wanted to work for the Seas chain. You've worked for now three of their parks, still work for one of them. And you're talking about, how, you know, some people work at Disney, Universal. So maybe you could just share, because this isn't part of the, the interview slate that I planned for you, but it's something I want to ask you. This made me think of it. So I'm putting you on the spot here, but I think you'll be fine. Uh, you know, what is it about the Steve's chain versus Cedar Fair, Six Flags, Disney, Universal, you know, Silverado City, Dollywood, you know, all these other park chains that you know well? What is it about the C's chain that makes you want to work for them? I've always felt that I I, I was considered family. Um, so I, I did two internships at Seawater Orlando, and then I transferred to Busch Gardens Tampa um, and became a supervisor of Frontgate there. Um, but even when I went back to SeaWorld, um, I knew people everywhere for, uh, for two or three years. Um, after, then, after that, a lot of people um, retired or resigned, but 
for the first couple of years after I left SeaWorld, people still knew me and I had a great time. It's like, I just want to drive and say hi to people. And it's, it's the same at Bush and even at San Antonio. Like I fly to San Antonio usually once a year and I, I still know people there. I haven't worked there in about seven years now, but I still know people there and they, t- and it's just, it's just a, a big family environment. I just think Disney and universal are too big. Right. right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, so it's not necessarily something specific to SeaWorld or Bush Gardens. It's just that, and perhaps the nature of the parks being a little bit smaller, that, you know, they, they, those people, some of those people stay there more more long. I can't even talk today. They have longer terms at a given attraction, or at least at the same park, whereas, you know, Disney Universal people move around a lot. So you, you develop and have these families of people that you can come back to. Yes, I feel that in the SeaWorld chain, it's like everyone knows everybody. Uh, right. I, I've sometimes met people and they're like, oh, I've heard of you. I, I know who you are. I've seen what you post in the social media groups. I'm like, oh, okay. So usually it's good. There have been times when I sometimes get a, a negative, like, oh, you're Mike Muldoon. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I hope that's a po- I hope that's positive. Um, <laughs> but it, I, I do like the fact that it, it seems that everyone knows everyone in that chain. That's, that's one thing I like about it. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. I, I, I like that. That's, it makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I've not worked for the Seas Chain, but I spent a lot of time in their parks. And, right. you know, certainly another friend of mine that used to work there does not work anymore. And a friend of yours as well, Raptor Joe, right. uh, good friend, also here in Florida. And she worked, used to work at Mako for a number of years, and she doesn't. And that's all we'll say about that. But, right. you know, she's still right to Mako. I mean, she has the, I think she's got the record uh, for the most number of rides on Mako, you know, well over 4,000 at this point. Uh, and she still goes back there, you know, several days a week, especially on, on the, her days off, right. and rides Mako, and she brings gifts for her her Mako family. Again, looks at it like family, like you were mentioning, you know, team you know, ambassadors. Use the right terminology there at SeaWorld that still work that ride, and other ambassadors she knows throughout the park. Yeah, and she's great about that, and she does the same thing. She's never worked at Carowinds, but Fury is her number one. And she yeah. goes there several times a year, and she always brings gifts, and she's always posting pictures of like her and her favorite ride-ups there, like Claudius Watts, who's an amazing guy. I met him last year, really nice guy, one of her favorite people there. And she's always seeing her family, her, her extended family there up in Carowinds. But, so I can definitely understand you know, where you're coming from, and that's a powerful thing, these people that we have these connections with. So I, I love that answer. So thank you for sharing. Of course. So, all right. So let's go ahead. We'll go ahead and move on to the actual interview here. The, 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 the crux of the interview, which again is our theme park time machine at the beginning or the fear journey here. So the first, first question for you is what was the first coaster that you remember riding or the major yeah. parents told you that you rode or. Yeah. So I, I actually asked my parents this last week in preparation for the interview. Um, nice. They didn't remember, but what I remember <laughs> is. The original Gwazi back um, sometime in 99 when I was seven years old. Maybe did Thunder Mountain Road and Space Mountain before that, but I just don't remember. I know I did those in the early 2000s, but I know for sure I did Gwazi when it opened in 99. I have pictures in my school uniform to prove it. <laughs> yeah. So it's so interesting. So, I mean, it makes sense given that Bush Gardens has kind of been your home park here. Pretty much your whole life. I know you lived in Orlando briefly, and obviously San Antonio for the for the reasons of working for those two parks. But you know, largely you've lived near Bush Gardens more so than say close to Disney. 
Right. So it makes sense that a, a coaster at Busch Gardens Tampa would be your would be your uh, your first. So yeah, right. Yeah. Air Grover and Sesame Bush did not open until 2010. So a lot of people are like, well, when did Air Grover open? I'm like, 2010. It did not open in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, you know, you're a VIP tour guide at Busch Gardens. You've been going there your whole life. I mean, you know, there's there's a there's a few friends that I would call upon to. You know, if I had questions about the history of the park, you know, be like you, Kaylin, Samantha, you know, the oh, regulars yeah. there, of course. So I don't know if I ever rode the original Quasi because I had been to Bush Gardens, Tampa. I went there in 2001, my first time. Okay. Quasi would have been open then. Yeah. Uh, but then I didn't go again until 2017, which at that point, Quasi was closed, I believe. Right. So I don't know if I went in 2001, and so I don't I don't count credits that I don't know if I've been on them or not. Right. But I, you know, I do know of, I've heard about how bad Guazi got. It was, and it, yeah. it's interesting how quickly because I never I didn't really thought about before we, I was talking here today about when Guazi opened. I thought it was earlier than that. So you know, it 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 in terms of its operational life, it lasted less than 20 years. Right. And so was that a combination of the the weather in florida and maybe not the best maintenance or what what do you think caused that i think it's a combination of the weather but remember bush guard is open 365 days a year unlike like king's dominion or six flags parks um right. or king's island they those wooden coasters don't operate every day so guazi probably had the lifespan of like a 30 year old coaster um or at least it ran like is that you know, like ran the length of a 30 year old coaster. Right. Right. And I actually remember my last ride on Guazi was in 2011. Um, actually it was, I think a few months after it got those new trains. Cause I know 2011 was when it got the, those millennium flyer trains, which are now oh, on Invader yeah. and Texas Stingray. Um, but I do remember it was December of 2011, 100%. That was my last ride. I said, never again. Interesting. I don't, Interesting. I don't remember which, I don't remember if it was Tiger or Lion, but it was, I remember the date. I remember it. 100% it was December 2011 was my last ride. Oh, interesting. So you mentioned that those one flyers that a couple of them wound up at Texas Stingray. Yes. So Texas Stingray, when it opened, it opened with existing trains? Yes, it invaded it oh, as well. Um, interesting. William, Bush Gardens Williamsburg was advertising that a lot more about Invader having the two of the Guazi trains. SeaWorld oh. San Antonio did not advertise it um, a lot, but I, I remember Williamsburg was a lot more like advertising. We got Guazi. We got the Guazi trains. Really? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. All right. That's all right. That's unique. Well, remember, both, both are GCIs. Well, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that much I know. And uh, I, I, I've ridden Invader. I've not ridden Texas Stinger. I need to get back to San Antonio. I'm planning probably next year in 2024 i'm waiting for codaland to to get going and get the uh, circuit breaker open and palindrome open which is right. April, April next year and i'm gonna yeah. do a big texas trip and catch up on my credits out there and do a road trip and all that but anyways so okay so that was your first so tell us what is the coaster in your life that has scared you the most sure um so I've never really had like height issues. Like I, I, I'm six four, so I've never really like been sh too short or anything. So I've never right. never been like turned away from any coasters. Um, but I remember being really scared to ride Scorpion and Kumba because they went upside down. Like Scorpion, I was like, I'm not riding Scorpion. I'm sticking with Guazi. I know that 
someone's going to listen and they're like, that's such a small coaster module. I'm like, well, when you're like eight years old, it's a big coaster. And I remember I did it and I love Scorpion. It was really great. Um, I, I remember that I, that I really enjoyed it. And then that same day I wanted to ride Python. Unfortunately, I, I, Python was closed. I remember that. Oh. I remember being sad Python was closed that day. And then I guess I went back maybe a month or so later. Um, and then I remember doing Scorpion again. And then I did Python. And then I did Kumba. Nice. nice. And I remember loving Kumba, but I was still too scared to do Montu because I was afraid of the feet dangling. But then I, did, then I did Montu, and I loved it. Okay. Okay. So the progression for you was kind of like this. We talk about being afraid and it's important to look at the order of things. So, you know, what happened first? So it, it was you, it was Scorpion first, then Python, then Kumba, and then Montu. Uh, that yes. was the four. Okay. And you were, and so the fundamental fear that you had was going upside down, right? Yes. That was the, the big fear was going upside down. Which I can relate to because that was my uh, fear. That was my big fear. Okay. Conquered. I never knew uh, that about you. Know, you. Yeah, I mean, well, we learn about each other, you know, all the time, even though you and I have been friends for years. It's funny what we can learn about you. I'm sure I'm going to learn things about you today. I didn't know. Um, so, I mean, there's, you know, you're, you're either going to have fear of like, going upside down, fear of acceleration, heights. Heights are a big common fear with people that we've interviewed on the show here. But upside down, going upside down is very common. So you went on your, your, your first loop, you know, there on Scorpion. And you enjoyed it that first time? I did. I loved it the first time. I rode with my dad. Um, I was very lucky that my dad um, wanted to ride coach with, with me as well. Got it. Got it. Got, yeah, back. Right. Nice. That's always great when you can have family join you. So when you first got off Scorpion, you did the loop and everything else. How'd you feel getting off of Scorpion? I remember loving it. Okay. I, I remember absolutely loving it. And I remember wanting to do more. And I remember wanting to do Python that day. And wanted to do Python. Now you did not. Yeah. Was that before? What, what year was that that you did that? It was sometime in the must have been the early two thousands. I've been on Python many times before it closed in two thousand six. Okay, okay, okay. So you you and so you did get to ride Python before, yeah. Oh, yes. I do. I do remember riding Python in two thousand one. Okay. When I when I went to so I did get that credit before it closed. So now, were you willing to ride Kumba? That first day when you ride, ride Scorpion, but not Python, or no? No, I was not. I remember doing Python first before Kumba. Okay, so you were still afraid of Kumba that first day. Yes, because it went upside down yeah. seven times, and I was scared. Okay, so you had gotten through that one loop on Scorpion. You liked it, but you were still afraid of kind of a, a lot of inversions. Right. Okay, so would you say that Scorpion is overall the one that scared you the most? I'd say Scorpion was. Okay, so do you mean by that then that you were being scared of have never having never gone upside down before? That was a bigger fear for you than the kind of step up fear from having done that to doing multiple inversions. So that was not as a big of a, a scare for you. Correct. Going upside down was okay. my biggest fear um, back when I was little. Yes. Right. So you kind of had to conquer it in stages. It sounds. Yes. Like. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's, that's fair enough. So, so talk to me about Kumba then. So you went on Kumba. I mean, you were scared to go on it, but you went on it, you went a couple of years later, a year later, I think you said. Probably when I was like eight or nine, I'm in the early two thousands. 
I know that my first time on Kraken, I was 10 years old, and I know that I did Kumba and Montu before Kraken. Okay, got it. So when you got off of Kumba, how did you feel? I loved it. I remember wanting to ride Montu. I, I remember loving it. Not okay, thinking it was shaky or rough at all. Well, back then especially, yeah. yeah, of course, of course. So, and did you ride uh, Montu that same day as you rode Kumba the first time? Oh, I honestly do not remember that. I do not okay. remember that That's one. That's okay, but soon thereafter you rode Montu, right? Yes. Soon thereafter. Okay. So after riding Kumba, you were still a little bit scared of the feet dangling aspect of the yes. of being an invert. Okay. And then you rode Montu and you were fine. You know, obviously nothing happened to your feet or your legs. No. Um, and but what was part of it, it because of how tall you were, you were concerned about clearance. Is that you know, I don't what remember? Oh no, I was not con- concerned about clearance at all. I think I was just scared. I didn't know, like, I didn't know where the heads were because I always thought that, like, your head would go up in the track where the wheel covers were. I had oh, no idea, like, at the time. And right, yeah, right. I remember just oh, being fascinated by those wheel covers, wondering where the where the people went. Right. It's the being a member is certainly different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, all right. So then, after riding Montu, you you love Montu. I, I did at the time, yes. Now it's okay. now it's a, a lot a lot for me. I'm 30 years old, but back then when I was 10, it was it was fun. Right. Now, have there been any coasters since Montu that you've been and I want to be clear here, because there's fear, which is, is a form of anxiety. But there's also anxiety, and this is something I want to start being more careful with guests as we talk to them moving forward. There's sort of that fun excited anxiety because you've never been on a coaster before oh, maybe yeah. it's a new type of coaster you know it's it's a record breaker or it's just one you're really good things about or whatever it may be so those are two different things so in terms of really being scared not excited were there any other coasters after say Montu that you really had any fear of you know there were no coasters that i can recall after Montu that um that i ever got scared of i remember being excited to ride kraken Excited to ride Manta when it opened in 2009. Being excited for all the coasters at Cedar Point when I went when I was 14 years old. That was my first right. like out-of-state theme park trip. So yeah, nice. I guess just the Busch Gardens coasters were the only ones that I ever had fear riding. Okay, okay. Because I, I strongly believe, and we, I, you know, I've seen this in myself, I've seen this in uh, friends, I've seen the people I've interviewed on the show, in some cases friends that I've interviewed on the show. Uh, and there gets to be a point where you face fear, say, riding a coaster, you know, or, or rides in general. I mean, you know, drop rides or scare a lot of people, you know, the heights and everything. Whatever it may be, facing fears and these controlled circumstances on these rides, it may take a couple of rides, you know, a loop and then m- multiple inversions and, and maybe a specialized thing, like you mentioned, like an invert. But you, you have some fear and you step through it. And you get to a point where it doesn't matter. You know, like when I rode Steel Vengeance for the first time, I'd been in some RMCs, but I'd not been on Quasi yet. Quasi had not opened yet. And I'd not been on anything that tall. And, you know, that was the biggest, that was a big RMC compared to the ones I'd been on before. Uh, you know, uh, you know, riding Velocicoaster for the first time, you know, I, Velocicoaster is very different and, and, you know, it's bigger and faster and all that. Uh, you know, so many examples I could give. There were some of the coasters I rode in China back in 2019. You know, it got to the point where even if it was something that was going to be faster, more inversions, taller combination, I, I was like, bring it on. 
And that's something I have talked about on the podcast here and there before is the, an example of an ex- example of, of the fact that I wasn't afraid of these new experiences, say like a seal vengeance, is putting my hands up the first time I ride a coaster. Oh, so and that's something I've noticed I've been doing for a number of years now. Even the first time I ride a coaster, so uh, you know, not to say anything wrong with keeping your hands down, but for me, it's like okay, yeah, I'm comfortable here. Bring it on, you know, bring it on. So, so, you know, so, you know, you went through that. I went through that. So many of our other guests have gone through that. And it's, I believe that happens to us because fear is like a muscle. By facing it so many times, whether it be facing it as a new type of fear on these different coasters, like what you went through at Bush Gardens, or just riding even the same coaster that you conquered your fear on already over and over again you're training your brain to not necessarily be afraid when faced with a potentially anxiety provoking situation. So it's, you know, by, by facing fear, we're building our strength about being able to face anxiety and face fear. And things like yeah. that. So, so it's good to hear that you have that too. Uh, so thanks for kind of, kind of going through your fear journey there. Now, Conquering, you know, those bigger coasters at the time at Bush Gardens, Tampa, you know, we talked about Scorpion Python, Kumba, Montu. Besides being able to be okay going on other coasters, you mentioned, for example, the SeaWorld coasters after that. Is there anything else that, you know, riding those kind of first few coasters that went upside down, you know, conquering them, did they affect your life in any ways that you could think of? Um, so Kumba and Montu made me like the Bush Gardens enthusiast. Um, but then Shikra, when I wrote, I wrote that when I was 13, that turned me into the coaster enthusiast that I am. Um, and Shikra is, Shikra was my favorite coaster. And that's when I wanted to go to Cedar Point and go to Six Flags Great Adventure and go to the rest of the Orlando parks. Um, so I'd actually, I'd actually say Shikra had the biggest, um, effect of my life that's when i started working at bush it was like where do you want where do you want to go i'm like i want shikra so i know we didn't talk about it much but shikra had the biggest impact on my life okay so yeah we didn't talk about shikra so what so shikra was your first your first dive coaster then right i had no fear of riding it because i had done a lot before um but that definitely had the most impact on my life and what made me coast enthusiast i remember when i had Zanga back in the mid 2000s which is which was Facebook at the time and writing oh, how, yeah, yeah. how great Shikra was and going multiple times that summer with my parents and they were waiting for me and oh I, yeah I was very grateful okay. I did that my, I remember my dad even took a day off work to ride it on the first time because he was excited to ride it too okay so let's 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 kind of dive into this a little bit i I realize it's not a fear thing but i'm just curious so i i get you know you went from scorpion python kumba montu naming all the coasters here and those are all bush gardens tampa coasters and those were kind of what made you you know conquer your fear and became a bush gardens tampa enthusiast and now we're talking about shikra as kind of being the next level but also being at bush gardens tampa but you're identifying it, putting it at a different class, like on its own pedestal up above. Yeah. Coaster enthusiast. So why? Right. Because I had no idea that there were like other parks, like other coasters around. Like once I conquered Shikra, then I'm like, let me see if there's other coasters around. That's when I started watching um, 
Coaster's documentaries, like I watched Mega Structures, which featured King King Daka, and right. I had no idea what King Daka was until after I wrote Shikra, and I just learned so much after writing Shikra, and I wanted to evacuate it, and this is when it had floors, and I I, I wanted to walk to the li- walk to the top of the lift hill, which I, I got to do many times, um, but Shikra is definitely what made me the a coaster enthusiast. Okay, so would you say that I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but okay, let me let me give you an example. So when we rode Tron this past Saturday, uh, I, you know, I'm a very passionate person. I live, I believe in living life with passion and I live my life with passion. In fact, I have a saying that I try to share with people and it's something I live by. It's one of these idioms that I live by. And it's, it's basically, it's very simple. It's a life without passion. It's a life not lived. And so I live in reverse of that. And so, you know, a passion is emotion. You know, it's, just, it's very, those are the same kind of thing. And so I love it when I, when I see, when I have friends that are similarly passionate, which I have several friends like that, uh, or where even friends that maybe aren't like that all the time or to that degree, but they have moments, these like epiphany moments of passion and, and emotion, positive emotion response to something that we both enjoy. And so you on Shrine, I hope I won't embarrass you here, you were crying. I was in response to Tron. (laughs) So you were crying in response to Tron. You had an emotional response to it. And Tron, controversially, I guess, is my (laughs) favorite Disney coaster in the world. And I've been on all, I've been to all the Disney parks in the world. Oh yeah, Tron's my favorite too. Oh, it is your favorite. Yeah. Oh, you've, oh, because, because I, when we talked, when we were there, you were still thinking Guardians. Oh no, Tron is the favorite. I've watched multiple videos. It's Tron. Okay. So you're now, yeah, yeah, you're the third person besides myself. Uh, well, two people plus me here right. in Florida that have written Tron that agree. So Zach's the other. But uh, oh, hey. okay, our numbers are growing because so many people are like, "Oh, it's Guardian, it's Guardian." And hey, each to each their own. All seriousness, it's all it's all good. But I love Tron. I love it as a themed coaster. It is one of the best themed coasters in the world, if yes. not the best. And it just all comes together in an amazing experience. I love the ride dynamics of it. It's a short ride, but it's it's quality over quantity and all that. But anyway, so I love that you were reacting emotionally to it. Okay. So when you rode Shikra that first time, was it kind of a similar thing? Did you have like this more of this positive emotional reaction to riding it than say Scorpion, Montouche, you know? Yes, I did. I remember having um, a very positive emotional moment when I wrote it um, back when I was 13. I remember absolutely loving it and and smiling. Uh, I, I remember. Yeah. So I can relate to this, Michael, and it's something that I, I, I want to start kind of paying attention to more in myself and others. Uh, you know, and, and it, so first of all, I am not uh, I am not afraid to be criticized for my top 10, my top whatever. Oh, yeah, me neither. Uh, you know, I, it's my opinions and people can make fun of them or whatever. You know, exactly. We all have fun with each other. It's, it's all fine. But I've had some some friends question some of my favorites. And what I've come to realize is is. is First of all, of course, at the end of the day, whatever we choose, it's it's our reasons. It's sometimes we can't even come up with the reasons. Our top ten, our top coast, or whatever it may be. But for me, what I've come to realize is, okay, part of it's the ride dynamics, the theming. Theming to me matters for a coaster, and I, I know it does for you as well. And, and other friends like Austin is like that. Brett is like that, you know. But then we have friends, you know, that are just basic coaster enthusiasts, is what I call them, and they could care less about theming. They don't look at the theming. Right. The same coaster could be in a parking lot. They rate it the same way. I'm not yeah. like that. So each their own. That's fine. But 
and and that's these all these are all things that affect me ranking coach but what i've come to realize michael is my emotion my emotional response which could have nothing to do with the physics of the coaster how forceful it is the theming even necessarily but just how it all comes together my emotional response will factor into my rankings and one of my somewhat controversial not my most controversial uh top rank coasters is uh my number three right now at least is fly okay and i've been criticized by people because it's like oh it doesn't have a pretzel loop and it's not that intense and it's da, 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 da. and i'm like i'm sorry forces i love forces yeah pretzel loops are amazing but they're not the only thing. There's uh, the theming of Fly is incredible, uh, right. but it's but it's the music of Fly, the soundtrack right. of Fly, by Ema Score, their best music to date. It's incredible. When you if you listen to it off ride, like if you listen to a score of a movie without watching the movie, or when you're at, you know after done watching the movie, it's not the same. So, but if you experience that music when you're the dispatch alone, the dispatch sequence on Fly. It's for me at least. It's so emotional in a, in a positive way, and it's so uplifting, literally and figuratively. You know, you're flying and everything, and it's perfect. It's a great. It's a, it brings you up, which is it's what the what the ride is supposed to do. It's you're flying, so it's perfect. And uh, so emotional responses to coasters, it's a real thing. It's something it to not. You know, it's not. You don't want to ignore it. You don't want to be embarrassed about it. So, so I'm glad to be. You know talking to someone here this is something i realized as we're talking that you have these emotional responses to coasters sometimes so so shikra you had a big emotional response to and that propels you to be curious you know what's beyond the bush gardens here right yes okay okay i also want to add i yeah i I cried on flight of passage the first time as well not embarrassed i did too you know flight of passage again another controversial thing i guess somewhat uh is in my opinion is the best uh, flying theater in the world. Yes, and I've been on a lot of them. Well, I've been on the ones that even are not involved with Disney, like the, the Wings Over Washington, uh, the one in uh, in the Pigeon Forge, a couple others. Um, and Wings Over Washington is fantastic, by the way. But Flight of Passage has that emotion that Wings Over Washington doesn't. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no, no, Flight of Passage is amazing. I mean, Avatar is my favorite movie of all time so i've got that connection too so i can relate but yeah i mean these i think some of the best rides they they we have these emotional responses to them and and it it's just it makes them our favorites it sticks them you know and it makes them hard to move out of our top 10 or, or you know whatever those right. positions are so um okay so and what year was that that you wrote shikra for the first time 2500 opens okay Okay, so going beyond Bush Gardens, you, you know, I know you went to Cedar Point next. You've been to a lot of other parks since then, of course. So thinking straight through t- up till today, your entire life thus far, what positive impacts have coasters and theme parks had on your life? Positive impacts. Um, so I'll start with some of the negative impa- negative stuff before I get into the positive. Um, back when I was in my teens and even early 20s, I didn't know a lot of people that would go to the park. Social media wasn't really a big thing, so I'd go to the parks by myself. Some people would um, think it's weird, but it's like I was a single guy. I was bored. What, what else was I supposed to do? But now that these parks and coasters, there's I know so many people that have common interests as I do. I had no idea there's like 
coaster groups or ace or podcasts or twitter i had no idea that that stuff existed and it's just so cool that there's so many people that have the same interests as me i've made so many friends from the parks and twitter iapa um, and, and now i i I don't even think I ever could go to a park by myself again. <laughs> so, unless I'm doing like social media work where I, I schedule that. Um, and I, and I know that I'm doing that, but other than that, I, I will never want to go to a park by myself. I will, if I have to, but I just can't imagine it because I know so many people that go to the parks on the weekends like you. And right. it, it's just right. so great. Um, that there's so many people that have the same interests as I do. I can just send out a tweet on Twitter saying, Hey, who's going to magic kingdom today? See you there. Right, right, right. And that's awesome. Yeah, the social aspect of it is this question is a very common answer. Not, not that it's a bad thing, is the social aspect. Yes, social of, aspect. Of, the, of this hobby. Because uh, not every hobby is social. I mean, you know, stamp collecting, you know, watching movies inherently is not social. At least watching the movies themselves. Maybe you talk afterwards about it, which right. I have to do with friends. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of hobbies, Coasters and, and parks are one of the more social hobbies, which is great. Uh, you were saying you were starting off with something negative. Is is I think what you were getting at there is like you're because you've told me this personally. Like your family, almost to the point of teasing you about being yeah, stuff. Um, not not my immediate family, like not my parents. Um, but right. um, I have a couple other family members that I just don't get along with, and they're unfortunately blocked on all social media. Um, oh, and I, I, back during last, last December, two, two months ago, um, during Christmas, this, um, this uncle, he says, I remember you as the person who wanted to work at Disneyland your whole life in like the most negative way. And I don't even, I, sh I should have come up with a different response, but mm -hmm. I, I wanted to be nice. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, they, they weren't being, sounds like they weren't being very nice to you either. I, no. I have this. Uh, I have this friend. Uh, he, he's an acquaintance. I've actually never met him. He's a Facebook friend, but we've talked on the phone, and and he's got a lot of issues. Uh, he, he's okay. got like drinking. He's always complaining about money and like not being happy with his life. All this sort of negativity stuff. But then he was he would question me when we first started when we first started being in touch on Facebook. We were connected on Facebook. He would see my posts about going to the parks. He's like, isn't okay. that stuff for kids? You would say, you know, say, you know, yeah. adult um, and I've been questioned about that too. Yeah, yeah. So he would ask yeah. me that, and I explained to him like, well, no. Number one, a, a lot of adults go to parks, and two, it's it's really good for you. And I, I tried to kind of communicate to him. Not I'm not saying that everyone who's not doing well in life should go to parks, but a lot of people, if you're you know feeling down on 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 your life and and like not happy and having this negativity going to the parks you know maybe here and there at least and getting that theme park therapy you know you're getting out in the sunshine you're getting you're getting some exercise the physical stuff there but of course getting on the rides you're getting the endorphins the adrenaline you're right. getting the immersion of the theming the theme parks you know the ones that have better theming um you know you're getting an escape from life it's all the theme park therapy stuff and, you know, I try to tell him, hey, you know, this is all good for you. And I, I don't know, you know, it doesn't seem like it registered with him. He keeps talking about, he lives up in, um, like, the Tallahassee area. Oh, okay. You know, from, you're from Orlando. But he talked about, you know, him coming down. We finally meet and we go to a park together, maybe enjoy it. But, you know, it was just interesting. He's criticizing me 
and he's not getting these benefits that I get, and I'm a much more positive person than he is. So it was kind of interesting, but um, yeah. So I want to say I've been criticized too for it, um, because p- people are like, "Isn't isn't SeaWorld for kids? Isn't Epcot for children?" Like, but a lot of people don't know. There's festivals, there's concerts, there's shows. There's so much more than just rides. Um, like the rides are always going to be there. I've ridden. Mako so many times that I skip it almost every time unless I'm with someone that wants to ride it. Um, but, you know, there's festivals, there's Seven Seas, there's Electric Ocean, there's food and wine. There's so much more than just the rides, but a lot of people that aren't in Orlando think the parks are just rides. Right, right. Oh, yeah, there's so much to do. And yeah, yeah, it's not just coasters, not just rides. The shows, like you said, the food festivals, the restaurants themselves, the, fireworks. the parades, the, yeah, the fireworks, the haunt. I mean, they're there's so much, and then you have all the oh, stuff I didn't even think about Halloween. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah this and Christmas event, you know, the, you know, all the That's special so... events, the holiday events. And you've got the. I just did a dinner show for the first time, uh, thanks to the uh, being very kindly invited to a media event for the new Country right. Music Nights yeah. uh, show. Or I'm sorry, Country Nights Live show that's d- done by the same people that do the Pirates and the Teatro Martini shows right off of I Drive here in Orlando. And I'm now going to go back and you know, paying mind you. Um, you, know, you know, I'm going with a couple friends in April and going to see Teatro Martini uh, because I like the Country Nights Live one and I want to check out the others. But, you know, they've got that and the escape rooms and, you know, um, Ripley's Blues or Not and, and uh, Wonderworks, you know, where Drew works and, you know, all, all these kind of places and that are part of this, just like you have a Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg and, and Branson and, you know, and so forth. So it's not just the parks. It's, it's the entertainment. And who doesn't like to be entertained? You know, right. Right? I mean, who, who's yeah. criticizing you for being entertained? Now, you know, something that I talked about in depth on the uh, our hundredth episode, uh, and you know, I, I kind of mentioned this, but uh, when I was married, which I was married for seventeen years, right. I, I was an enthusiast before I was married. But okay. being married, um, and because of the nature of my marriage and the psychological abuse I was subjected to, uh, I basically kind of stop being an enthusiast to some degree uh especially okay. you know when i wasn't traveling because if i was traveling i'd be on my own and i could kind of be free again but i was basically almost like in prison so to speak right. when i was not traveling because of my ex-husband and right. uh and so he and he was one of those people that would still to this day because we keep in touch he makes fun of you know the parks and like he'll you know mention certain friends you know, for some reason, brings up Austin. He knows Austin's really being in the parks. Right, like, oh, you yeah. go to parks with Austin, and you know he's always making fun of the the being part oh. of the parks and the and and I just it's in one ear and out the other. It's because he has no control over me anymore, and I'm right. thankfully I've moved on. And I and and you know in in the in my first year or in the first year where we had separated, beginning of 2021, that was the first year. And a few months later, in June, that I went to Hollywood Nights. Yeah, and that first Hollywood Nights was one of the best weekends of my I remember, life. I remember you said that. Um, it, it, yeah. it makes me sad that um that people still give the negative negative connotations like that. That that makes me sad to hear. Um, you, the, the the negative, the toxic people in your life, and unfortunately, a lot you know most of us, if not all of us, have someone like that in our lives. Right. If not more than one, uh, they're gonna be you know it's jealousy it's insecurity that feeds them and those behaviors and you know they're gonna be jealous and insecure about something that you enjoy that they don't enjoy and they don't understand 
because they don't someone that's inherently unhappy a narcissist an insecure person like that they don't like other people being happy right they're so insecure to begin with so it, it, it's all, again all this toxicity stuff so it really at the end of the day you have to not let them get you down ignore the gaslighting that they do and, yeah you know like a narcissist gaslighting about theme parks because it would say something like Oh, those are just for kids. You're an idiot for going to parks. You know, you're why are you going there as an adult? You don't have kids. That's 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 gross. That's wrong. Again, that's gaslighting. That they're that right. those are not correct statements. So, right. but anyways, you know, we have we have to just move past those minority, hopefully minority of people in our lives that are negative like that. So, um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, so thank you for sharing the the impacts that the parks have had. Obviously, a big big impact, big part of your social life and so forth. So now we're going to have a, a few questions that we always have in our interviews that are just kind of fun. They usually get fun stories and discussions. So this next one is, what is the craziest moment you've had on a coaster, on a ride? It doesn't have to be a coaster. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm glad we, you and I went over this last week when we were Magic Kingdom because my original answer was not ride-related at all. Um, but that was still my craziest <laughs> moment. That, that, but that moment was still my craziest moment of the park because I had no idea what to expect right. that day. Um, right. But for a craziest moment on a ride is actually going to be Tower of Terror at Hollywood Studios. Um, I actually wrote it with my stepbrother at the time. I was about um, 21 years old. And we did the penny trick. You know how, because um, the ride pulls you down, it's like faster right. than than gravity, and it was, um, he, he attempted the penny trick where, you know, you put a penny, and then it actually worked. The penny was floating in the air, right. and right. he lost it. Yep. He, yep. Yeah, we, we think that it dropped in the ride, because there's like small holes at the bottom for like drainage, and right. We, right. we think that, we think that, we think that the penny got in the ride system somehow. And it broke the ride because we got evacuated off that day. <laughs> yeah, we got well, evacuated I mean, off. You never know. I mean, yeah. I mean, on the one hand, you would think, you know, just a penny. They would, they would expect things to fall through those grates and everything. But you, yeah. you, know, you never know. Maybe. that's It could that's have been. We bad. don't know. Um, yeah. Now, we, we weren't evacuated, like, at, at high in the air. It was at the bottom. And I just remember being so cool because a mechanic had to pull the gondola, like, to the back with like some loud machine and then we were getting off the uh, evacuation um cast member was telling us no pictures no pictures right and right. He, he still tells people that i broke tower of terror with a penny <laughs> we're not sure if it's yeah, true or not i've got a couple evacs in my life the most re most recent of which is the most interesting of them i would say overall we got evac'd off of mummy and we had a okay. thing so we went through the catacombs, like under the track and everything inside the building, the, the show building. And they were telling us, don't take pictures. And, and I, you know, we've heard this from when we asked this question of other guests. Uh, we had someone that got backed off of Everest. And they're talking about okay. bridges inside when you're high up in there where, where they got evacuated. It was I think they got evacuated where when you get pulled backwards or when, and, and you're going to be, you know, sent forward again. You're going to, you know, see the Yeti and everything, you know, towards the end of the ride the last third of the ride um that's pretty high up and so they they had to walk over these catacombs and like these bridges and whatnot and and yeah. uh, not catacombs catwalks i should say right. uh and they said they wish they could have taken pictures but they just have everything in their minds but yeah so so i know this the next answer but again we got to share with our audience here so what is your favorite coaster 
All right. So you and I, we both love our Intamins, and I yep. am sure that I'm going to get some plaque for this later. Millennium <laughs> Force. I've been on about 260 coasters. I have a list in a Word document. Um, yeah. Millennium Force is the all-time favorite. The views, the speed. It's not a typical B&M, which they're all the same, it, it feels like. Intamin right. is so different. Like Everything's unique with Intamin, and I love Millennium Force. There's nothing else okay. like in the world, and the views of of the lake are fantastic. Now, when uh, yeah, yeah, the view, especially you know, going that down that first drop because you're right along the lake there, and it, it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, when did you first ride Millennium Force? 2006. I was about 14. Okay, okay. So, and was it became did it become your number one after that first ride? I Sheiker was my number one at the time. Um, I, I think Millennium Force became my favorite in my second trip to Cedar Point, which was when I was 19 in 2012, I think it was. Um, but it was 2012, and that's when it became my favorite um, that year. I've been to Cedar Point four times in my life. Okay. So it's been more than 10 years now. And because I'm curious, because you know I've had my number one change. My number one changed twi twice in the past couple of years. Um you know, it went from Maverick to Velocicoaster in 2021. And then okay. in 2022, last year, went from Maverick to Terran. Uh, when I finally got on Terran at night last December. Uh, and and again, I'm just, there, there's nothing wrong with one way or the other. I'm just curious. Because a lot of people we talk to, you know, they're, they're number ones that changes, you know, periodically and so forth. So for... for to have a number one for more than ten years—that's that might be a, a record, so to speak, yeah. on the show. Um, you know, obviously, you've ridden a lot of coasters since Millennium Force became your number one. You know, more than ten years ago, you've ridden. You know, speaking of Intamin Velocicoaster, you've ridden Iron Quasi, your own park, yeah. Apollo's Chariot, know, another great one. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. So, so none of these other coasters have been able to. Is it partly emotional for you? Do you think for Millennium Force? Um, I do, I do get, as you know, I do get a lot of motion sickness issues and have to ride coasters like once or twice. And that's it. I do get yeah. nauseous after Velocicoaster, Maverick. I had to rest, but I've yeah. never had to rest after Millennium Force. Okay. I, so I would like to ride my number one multiple times without feeling sick. Okay. So, so, okay. So motion issues. Yeah. I, cause I know how you respond to Gwazi, for example. Yeah. So part of why Millennium Force ranks high for you is because you can repeat ride it comfortably. Yes. So I was riding Fury three two five with um Brandon Stoff last yeah. May at Carowinds. And park. yeah, yeah. He had to buy me a drink because I had to sit down on a bench after what Fury did to me. <laughs> he had to buy me a soda. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, everyone responds differently. I mean, you, you know, we go from you. And I get it, you know, Fury's pretty forceful, especially for yeah, B and M. It was. You know, but we go from you having that response, which I get, to McLean Waddell, who it was, you know, guest in our second season, you know, where Fury keeps him alive. It keeps oh, right, him yeah. managed and it keeps his emotions in check where he can have a much better quality of life. And of course, he has to physically handle the ride to do that and he's fine on it. Where you know he's gone on other B and M's, uh, like he tried Mako because Mako he could ride year round back when, in the days before Carowinds was running year round, like they just started. 
And so he looked at it, Mako as being like this, like a the winter version of Fury, and it, it didn't work for him, and it, and it to the point where it even bothered him physically. So it's it, you know each of us is different. We respond to forces differently. You know yeah. we're all human beings, but we we, we respond differently. So um, so yeah, so it makes sense that part of why Millennium Force would be your number one or your high ranking is because you can rewrite it, you can value nice. it. I totally get it. I mean, coasters that are uncomfortable for me, you know, really rough, hot, holy wooden coasters, they rank low for me. Right. I, I get it. But uh, I was asking, uh, emotionally, did you have an emotional response? N- not that I can, not that I can think no. of. Okay. No. Okay. So it's just the views. It's the, yeah. it's the, you like the sense of speed on yes. Millennium Force? Okay. I do. It, so like when you ride Test Track at, at uh, Epcot, do you like the oh. speed of that, or a radiator racers? Do you kind of like that fast speed aspect of things? You know, I, I do like it um, because you don't. There's not a lot of twisting or turning with test track, so I, I like it. Interesting. You know, I'm curious. So you've not traveled internationally yet, right? No. But you want to, like, you plan. I want to, to one day. Okay. So knowing how you are, um, and what I mean by that is, you're very much like me. You're correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, from talking to you and knowing you for five years, you're really more of a theme park enthusiast than yes. a coaster enthusiast. More, yes, more parks than coasters, yes, exactly. I, I, I consider myself equally both, but I definitely straddle both. Like, I love, you know, things about parks that don't involve coasters and I love coasters. Um, and, again, you and I can talk offline when the time comes, you know, whether it be a year from now or six months from now, whatever. Right. But my recommendation to you would be internationally to go to Europe first, you know, because it's, it's more accessible than, say, going to Asia. Right. I've been yeah. all over the world, and, you know, it's easier to navigate, the, you know, Europe and all that. And because you love theme parks so much, I mean, obviously going to the Disney parks, that would be an easy answer, easy Thing to do but i think you should go to europa and fantasia land i know first. i want to so bad you talk so many great you say so many things great things about it yeah so yeah oh, and, so and you will i think love both those parks so much and i'm very curious this is what made me think of this with this question what your response to taryn will be oh because yeah taryn is not a, it's not velocity coaster it gets compared to velocity coaster a lot but they are very different um, they rank highly for me and for a lot of people. They're my number one and two. But Taryn, no inversions, it's a speed machine. Yeah, it has some airtime. Absolutely, has some great airtime. Right. But it's really a speed machine. And it, it, it's like imagine a Millennium Force that's you know low to the ground train coaster with high, highly themed that has a little more airtime than than Millennium Force. Uh, and po- both positives and, and and traditional negative ejector and things like that. Um, it might be too a little too much for you still for that comfortable rewrite thing, but I think it, it maybe not. I mean, so let me ask you this: so the motion sickness, sort of the motion challenges you have, is it the inversions? Is it positive G? Is what what is it? Do you think it's the inversions and? The sharp turns, like Pumba makes me nauseous, like the, all the turnarounds, the inversions, Montu, the Batwing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, because Terran does have some sh- a couple of sharp turns here and there. Positive Gs, you know, you know, we've got your positive G forces. 
yeah, but I mean, maybe it's not too much because again, there's no inversions at least. Right, but, I, I'd be fine know, on Terran. Yeah, Terran's so the one. Curious. Wait, yeah. Terran's the one where um, it's the 72 mile an hour one that's like the second fastest multi-launch coaster, beat by Pantheon, right? Yeah, pa uh, okay. well, well. So Terran is, I think, number three now because you have uh, Soaring with Dragon is okay. like one or one mile an hour faster. Right. But actually, Pantheon, the way they run it, because they, they it is yeah slightly below spec from Intamin because apparently the management of Bush Gardens they didn't want it to be too intense, so yeah. they don't run it as fast as they could. So it might be below Terran. So um, yeah, I, I have a story about Terran and Pantheon. So Pantheon, yeah. Terran's 72.5 miles an hour, right? Or at least it was, I think it was 72.5. Okay. Like um, so Pantheon, when it was originally announced in July of 2019, was 72 miles an hour. As, and it was marketed as the fastest multi-launch coaster in North America. But, yeah. ter but Terran was 72.5. Then there was a video that was actually released during IAPA of 2019. It was on the Bush Gardens Williamsburg YouTube channel. It was... Right. Um, with the, their VP of Design and Engineering. And, yep. And, uh, okay, you probably know what I'm talking about, where the uh, yeah. Pantheon got bumped to 73 miles an hour so it could become the fastest multi-launch coast in the world to beat Terran. I love that story. See, and, and I'm, I'm glad you bring this up. I think I might have talked about this in the podcast before. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. These things, I know. You know it, it, a coaster is a coaster. But, right. but I, I don't like it when parks claim these false records. It bothers me. To whatever yeah. degree that it matters, okay. So I was at Media Day from Pantheon last spring, in, you know, twenty twenty two, and I love Pantheon. Pantheon's in my top ten. That's probably my most yeah. controversial coaster to be in my top ten. Like Mark, Mark Martinez, he he loves teasing me about that. I'm like, Mark, I love that backwards ejector. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so anyway, when I I think it was after I read it once or twice, I loved it. I was talking to one of the the ambassadors there might have been a PR rep or whatnot. And I was being nice about it. I'm not, it wasn't being a jerk or anything, but I'm like, okay, I got a question for you. So you guys claim that this ride, you know, 72, 73 miles an hour is the fastest multi-launch coaster in the world. It's not. And by the way, Terran is not either. Right. Not, I, I think he said it's Soaring with Dragon. Soaring with Dragon is yeah. almost 78 miles an hour. It's almost 78 miles an hour. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It doesn't have, in the first half of it, it doesn't have the crazy transitions that like Terran has it, it has a non-inverting loop uh and then it's got uh a, a, like a inverted top hat basically in the first half in that high speed section then it slows down it goes through some like those quick transitions that maverick and Terran are known for uh but at slower speeds but it's a great coaster it's it's in my right. top 10 as well but um but anyway and and so what they told me michael i'm not sure if this will make you happy I don't know what I think about it. I mean, still, I love Pantheon, don't get me wrong, is that they call it the fastest multi-launch because it has a swing launch like Soaring with Dragon does, but it has that first launch in addition, right? which Soaring with Dragon does not. Exactly. And so it's a multi-launch. It's like separate sep sets of launches. Coasters. Right. I mean, you know, come on, guys. I mean... I know. So... I would love to see Pantheon at 78, but yes. uh, now I don't know the specs of it, but it could very well be that Terran, I've ridden Terran faster than Pantheon, or faster than Storing with Dragon, because apparently when when uh, Fantasyland runs Terran at night, 
which they only do during a winter time, during their winter fest, they have to run it faster because they're all cold to get there and everything else. So apparently they run it in boost mode or in a, oh. in a slightly boosted mode, maybe not full boost mode. I'm assuming it can be tuned, but I, I don't know how fast it gets. It is faster. It is faster. Okay. It might only be cool. five miles an hour. Effectively. I don't know, but it's definitely stronger launches. And when the weather's not cold, it, it's faster. But anyway, um, great, great ride nonetheless. So anyways, so it, you know, I think you'll like Karen, but at all the theming at Fantasia Land, I think you'll yeah. really knock, knock your socks up and again, nice. I know, as well. I know yeah. well. Yeah. So, uh, but anyways, so interesting, craziest moment on a ride. Okay. And then we talked about your your favorite coaster being Millennium Forks. And I, and I, you, you know, I get your reasons, your good reasons there. On the flip side of things, what is your least favorite coaster? Green Lantern at Magic Mountain. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I remember getting off having a horrible time on it. My stepbrother wanted to ride it again, and I did not. Um, we had fast lane. We had flash pass, so it, we didn't right. have to wait at all. Um, I will never forget how bad I felt. Whenever to, so I I don't have to ever have to do it again. Thank God, Luron canceled the project. Um, but I I also had another negative experience with that that I told you about last week. Um, that I want to share here. Um, yeah. At the time, I was a ride supervisor. And I, I was just curious. It's like, I just want to know, how do you evacuate this ride? So I went up to one of the employees and I just said, hey, how do you evacuate this ride from the lift hill? And he said, sorry, we can't, we can't tell anyone that. So here's I just wanted to know. Like, I told him I'm a ride right. supervisor in another park. So what about the 40 free spins? What about the SNSs? Is there something different about those where they can be evacuated? Do you already know that or? You know, I don't even know how those get evacuated either. The only one I've been on is the Batman one at Fiesta, Texas. Right, which is the one of the typical ones. Yeah. I mean, for me, again, controversial opinion. I mean, don't, you know, mind you, Airtime Mike, if you're listening, don't worry. I don't rank either the four spins or the Zach spin. And I don't rank them. They're just, they're down in my lower couple hundred or whatever. But uh, so you can be calm, my Airtime Mike. I'm making a joke here. I don't know if you know this, Michael, but Airtime Mike from from El Toro Ryan, he loathes loathes the SNF SNS. Oh, he does. Okay, and I'm sure there's actually been as well. But, um, anyways, but I don't love those rides, but I kind of enjoy them. I kind of enjoy that sort of whippiness. It's not your typical like coaster where it's curved, like you know, going around a curve. You're uh, basically you're. Um, uh, what's what's what I would call it? Uh, rotational based uh, high G forces, basically. Uh, certain, certain. I think it's centripetal force. I think I took physics in college. I should know this, but <laughs> anyway, it's been a few years. Um, it, you know, it's different because you're not rotating like that. You're just kind of you. You know, you hit the end of a given height. You know, given part of the track, and then you get whipped down to the next part. And I kind of like that sort of feeling. Uh, but not everyone does. But for me, again, I don't. I didn't love Green Lantern, but I didn't have an issue with it either. I'm like the only person I know that <laughs> have an issue, and I wrote it several times. But I don't miss it either. You know, don't don't mind you. But uh, anyway, all right. So yeah, that's a very common answer. I think David. I think his least favorite coaster also is Green Lantern. So you're you're in good company there. Yes, so, it's well, also Scott's least favorite. Uh, Scott Schaefer. Yeah, that's what he said when he was when yeah. he was interviewed. Oh. Did he? Yeah, I interviewed yeah. him last year. Yeah, because I listened I to him before this one. 
Oh, you okay? So I don't feel so bad because you just listened to his interview. Because yeah. you know, it's been a year since I've interviewed him, and I interviewed somebody he like can't remember in all cases who said yeah. what. So sorry, Scott. Sorry, I don't mean to remember, <laughs> not remember your favorite, your least favorite. But anyways, okay. So let's switch gears here for the last couple of few questions, and I'm going to talk about a couple things specific to you. Uh, the first of which is, so I think I explained this to you offline, Michael. So some of our listeners, and we, we know this because of feedback we've gotten, uh, some of the live episodes where people can ask questions, things like that, some of what we've interviewed, that we, we have some younger listeners. We, we have, in fact, I'll be interviewing uh, someone, a, a friend of mine, it's, it's a father and son, and I'm interviewing the son um, uh, tomorrow night. And he's okay. in high school. He doesn't even have his uh, driver's permit yet, I don't think. Um, and, you know, so we, we have, you know, people that listen to the show or been on the show. Uh, uh, I can think of a handful of them. Uh, Oliver, another guy, Matt Hill, uh, that are, you know, 15, 14, 15, 16 years old. Uh, and, you know, they're some of them have set careers that, are, that have nothing to do with parks that they're, they're, they're going to do. And that's great. Others, they, they want to do something where they can travel and go to the parks or work at the parks, get into the industry. So there is some level in our listenership, bottom line, Michael, of curiosity about getting into working at the parks and going, maybe even going to college and doing a college program that's oriented towards that. And I know that you did that. You did the UCF Rosen program. Yes. So to, to, to translate these acronyms that you and I know so well, UCF is University of Central Florida. Yes. And Rosen, they, they're a hotel chain, they're a hospitality chain. So and that's all I'm going to say here because you know a lot more than me. So tell our younger listeners and all of our listeners for that matter, you know, what did you think of that program? What, what is it? What is the program, first of all? And what did you think of it? What was your experience with it? Sure. So Rosen is actually um, on Universal Boulevard, closest to Universal and SeaWorld. And it's a hospitality-focused um, college um, the, the degree is hospitality management. There are tracks of theme park management. I think there's a restaurant one as well. There's that now. There's a master's in theme park management, um, and a lot of the professors there they've worked in the parks. Or um, one of them, he actually started the Disney College program back in the '80s that I had. Um, another one I remember she worked at the Gaylord Palms for like ten years. A lot, a lot of retired um, retired instructors. One of them was Ron Logan. Um, He's no longer alive, um, but he was, he was a Disney legend, and he did a lot for the Disney company as well. Um, I had wow. him for one semester. Um, it, going to Rosen with the theme park degree did help me get the ride supervisor job at SeaWorld Texas right after college. I remember like I graduated college, and I got the job literally the day before. Um, oh, nice. But if you're trying to get a theme park management job in Orlando, you have to remember that a lot of people have that same degree and so people think oh yeah i'll go to rosen everyone else in orlando has been to rosen too right it's, it's not going to set you apart from anyone else um what i'd recommend is maybe if you want to be a park president look at a park president's linkedin and see where he or she went for college and actually none of them have hospitality degrees they all have like finance or degrees or they started a corporate or something and then they work their way up that way. None of the park presidents have hospitality degrees. I, I hate to say it. Right, if you want to be a park right. president, maybe don't do Rosen. Maybe get an MBA, which I do want to get one right. day. Uh, 
yeah, that makes a lot. Yeah, I kind of wish I didn't go there. I'm very happy I went there. I had so many great memories, and I have a degree, and it helped me get a great job. Um, And it it helped me, even though I don't use my degree now, the job that I do have does require a degree. Um, So I'm very glad I do have it. And I made some great memories going to Rosen. I would literally go to Disney after class once a week. It it was fantastic. I actually lived in Tampa at the time, and because I was working at Bush Gardens at the time, and I was so unique because all these other people were like living in the Rosen dorms or had apartments to work at Disney. And here I am, like I work at Bush Gardens and I had class Monday, Wednesday, and I would drive Monday morning, go to class Monday, Wednesday, crash on people's couches Monday and Tuesday night and drive back Wednesday, go to the parks Monday and Tuesday. It was great. Um, and now I, I see a lot of our mutual friends that are like in their early 20s doing it now. Um, they're not going to Rosen, but they live in Orlando and I love seeing what they do because it's exactly what I did nine years ago. And uh, it, it reminds me, it gives me, it gives me a lot of great memories, but a lot of our mutual friends do going to the parks after work. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you want to be an attractions manager, um, knowing the right people is another thing. I do know a few attractions managers that actually were operations managers at SeaWorld. And then they got um, attractions manager jobs at Universal. Um, so it, it also is good to work at Disney or SeaWorld. Universal actually does hire a lot of people from both of those chains, and they will right. will be doing a lot of hiring from for Epic Universe. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So there's some good things you shared there. You know, for example, about uh, looking at LinkedIn. I think that's a really good point, and I would like to add to that. Actually, you just gave me an idea. So you mentioned about looking at where they went to school, like looking up, like you know, look up Neil Thurman, for example. You're your boss's boss's boss there at Bush right. Gardens, the park president there at Bush Gardens. He used to be at Magic Mountain. Uh, great guy, very nice guy. I've met him a couple of times. David knows him well, too, from his Magic Mountain days. So, you know, you look him up on LinkedIn. I'm assuming he's on there. You can see what his degree is in. But also, look at his career history. Look at, you know, That's where it, yeah. did he work at the parks? Where did he start? Did he start at the bottom? And did he step his way up? And, you know, I, well, you and I, Michael, have both have a couple of friends, actually, two people I'd like to have in this podcast, one of whom I've been talking to for a while, and we it's scheduling, it's just a real challenge, uh, Drew. Uh, and, you know, he went to the Rosen program, and I know, you know, again, kind of has some similar kind of thoughts about it as you kind of limiting career-wise and all that and so much competition. And then we have Ari, who was in yeah. the ministry world in Disney. Right. And, you know, from the financial aspects of things, he realized he could do a lot better money-wise. And he's got two yeah. kids and a wife, and his wife works for Disney. He, right. But he realized he could do better to provide for his family by working in a different industry. And he jumped into industries. And he's a smart guy, and he's really happy he's done that. Yeah. And he still enjoys the parks. But, you know, one thing I'll say, and you'll appreciate this, Michael. So I've done trainer for a day twice. Some of, some of the best experience i ever had in my life is trainer for a day. Yeah. Both at SeaWorld San Diego. And the first time I did it, uh, or it might have been the second time, but this is back in like 2001, 2004 was the two times I did it. Right. And I forget which one, but one of those times that I did it uh, was talking to the trainer about, I wasn't going to jump careers or anything, but I was just curious to, you know, one of the things about training for a day, which is awesome, is you get to spend all this time with a trainer. And I'm, you know, I'm an inherently curious person and I was asking about their job and what it's like. And, and one of the things that they shared with us is that they don't make good money. Because so many people want to work with the animals and want to be these trainers and the shows and everything that they can pay less. It's supply and demand. They can pay less because there's so much competition. It's not like it's the reverse of, say, working as like a garbage man or something where, you know, it's like, you know, those dirty jobs, as they say, 
you know, you know, where less people probably want to do it. And so maybe they pay more or whatever. But you might be able to make more money as a garbage man than me as a trainer at SeaWorld. Honestly, I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. And so, you know, when you work the operations and a lot of the, you know, the hourly type jobs at the parks, you're not necessarily paid that well. These aren't, you know, career uh, they, they aren't ideal career jobs, you know, where you can make uh, make ends meet, you know, kind right. of like working fast food or things like that. Now, if you get into like, you know, the restaurants, the bartender position, you know, bartenders do well, servers do well in the, right. in the table service restaurants. You get into management, creative, you know, you know, engineering. That's different. That's at a different right. level. Because, and, and I think where it's challenging is, you know, doctors. Nurses, that's all a white collar profession. That whole area is lawyers, it's all white collar. Yes. The parks, there's white collar and blue collar. And that's where it yeah. gets confusing. You've got the operations side, it's kind of a blue collar, the hourly, lower pay. And then you've got the management, and maybe some of the other jobs that are unique, like the serving jobs where you can make tips and where you can do well. But the, again, the white collar is more the management, the, and the engineering side, the engineering and creative side. Uh, so, and that and that's the challenge because a lot of these theme park degrees, these people, they want to push the button on the rides. You know, that's what people want to do, uh, and and so and that's great. And I don't discourage people from having those kind of jobs, but don't necessarily look at those as being you know really good paying jobs because they're not. They're not going to. They're be. not. Yeah, you and I, we 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 have a few mutual friends that all they want to do is like push buttons for their life. I'm like, don't you want to be a supervisor or a manager? Uh, I don't know if they. They, they're happy where they are. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to yeah, argue that's with that. Thing too. And that's not just a theme park thing, but some people, and I've seen this in various industries, friends of mine, they don't want to have the responsibility. I've got a friend, Michael, I was just talking the other day, lives in Texas, works for Target. He's worked for Target for decades, decades, and he does really well there. He was offered a management position. He quit his job at that point. He's like, no. I don't want to be manager. And he came back. They begged him to come back a couple of years wow. later at a, at, at the same level as just a, not entry level, but you know, he's not, he's just individual contributor is what it's called. He's not okay. a manager and he doesn't want to have that responsibility and that stress. And, and, and Hey, and to each their own, you do, but you have to, right. accept, okay. If you don't want those responsibilities, well, you're also not going to have that pay and, right. and that, and that advancement in your career. So, you know, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, the, and the economics are there, too, because, yeah, if there's a lot more operations people. There's a lot more people that work in attraction that rotate through the positions than, say, ma the managers and the, ima the imagineers and the creative people and so forth. And if the parks paid all of those operations people that, what, the 90% of the people in the parks that are working or whatnot, you know, if they paid them what they pay the managers, the park tickets would be hundreds of dollars a day. Oh, and the yeah. passes would be thousands of dollars a year. I mean, the economics just don't work. So, uh, you know, so I think to your point, you know, getting a theme park degree or hospitality degree, it limits you. Yeah, you can work in the hotels or things like that too. That, you know, airlines, those are hospitality. But just the parks, you know, you're kind of limited uh, in terms of earning potential versus if you get, like you said, an MBA, which is a master's degree. But if you get, even kind of a you know a, a basic more general uh, BA degree, but then you go and get your MBA. 
you, you, you're the world's your oyster. You can be a manager right. anywhere. Yeah. Begin to finance, like you said, and, and so forth. So I think that, you know, this is kind of a, a good word of warning that, you know, unless you're really dead set on working at the parks for the rest of your life in the parks, in the hourly kind of setting, and maybe moving up as you spend time there in tenure to be a manager, a shift lead, a, a trainer, a manager. If that's your path, then the Rosen program, I guess, is pretty good, right? Right. Um, so for me, having that Monday through Friday job was the most important, as you know, um, having family in Tampa that all had Monday through Friday jobs. That's why I chose to leave the industry full time, um, because I wanted that Monday through Friday job and I wanted a higher paying job and didn't work in my house and have my holidays off. Um, being part yeah. of for everyone. Um, but so so I, I love just having a side job in them now. It's it's great. <laughs> Yeah, and you bring up a good point there, too. Like, you know, I've got a number of friends that work in the parks. I know you do, too. And, like, one of my closest friends, he works at Velocicoaster, and he works holidays. He gets, I think, what is it, Tuesdays and Wednesdays off. He doesn't get weekends off. Okay. So, so like, he and I hanging out-wise, it's mainly he also loves movies like I do. We go to the movies together. We go out to dinner together. We'll go to the parks here and there, but we're not hanging out all weekend together. Right. And yeah. he has hung out with me on the weekends, but he's had to take time off from work. Yeah. So, you know, and that's that's the price you pay. But All right. right well, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that. Now, you did go through that program. You did work full-time at the parks for a number of years. You still work part-time. And you've had a number of years now working at, what, three different parks, right? Yes. Right? So t- talk about, you know, maybe a couple of your favorite moments from working in the parks. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad you prepared me for this question before because I got so many of them. Um, I was always into developing the younger team members that wanted to become um, supervisors and managers themselves. There was this one team member that I had when I was working at SeaWorld San Antonio. And I, um, so I worked there when I was um, 23 years old. I went back when I was 25 just to visit everyone. And she was actually um, in my place um, as the as a ride supervisor, not at the same ride, but wearing the same outfit I was and yeah. she gave, she gave me the biggest hug. We're still Facebook friends. And she told me that I want to do what you did. And I actually want to work at Seaboard corporate one day. And nice. no one's ever told me that they wanted to work at corporate. Cause I remember telling her that at the time I wanted to work for corporate eventually in my life. And it, it felt so great. Um, hearing that she wanted to say that, um, she's no longer with the company now. Um, she did get, um, a Monday through Friday job actually as well. Um, but it was just so great hearing that. Um, another story I wanted to tell, um, it was actually on my 26th birthday when I was working at Bush. And one of my um, direct reports, he actually called me to say, I want to say happy birthday to my favorite supervisor. I was like, what? Oh. Like, I, I, I was thrilled to hear that. And the reason why um, he, he told me later, is like, you listen to me. You've helped me get my schedule um, schedule right. You've always helped me with, with switching my shift. There was this one time when he didn't get paid for a shift. I forgot what the issue was. Maybe he didn't clock in or something. Um, but he told me, like, you were the one that helped me get paid for that day. And he said that no one else w- was going to go out of their way for him. And he said um, that I was his favorite supervisor. And I, wow. I loved hearing that as well. Wow. Uh-huh. That's awesome. So uh-huh. in the job that you have now, your Monday through Friday job, are you just an individual contributor or are you in a people lead position and a management position at all? Team leader position. Okay. So you have people reporting to you? Yes. Okay. So are you kind of helping mentor them and train them like you did at SeaWorld? I do. 
Yes. And sometimes, um, yeah. And I, I still get people telling me like, you trained me. So you're, you're great. And I know I'm, I know I'm going to learn the best from you. Um, I, I still get told that every now and then not as much as when I was in the parks. Um, but I, I still enjoy mentoring people and, and helping people in this job that I have now. So we talked about the beginning of the interview, Michael, you know, I kind of introduced you as, as someone who, and again, I was being hundred percent honest as someone who loves to help people and, you know, really goes out of your way to help people. And again, we talked about you being a great VIP tour guide because of that. And now we're talking about kind of another aspect of your career, some of these previous jobs as well as your current one, your, your kind of white collar Monday through Friday job where you kind of run these mentoring roles and, and you're training people and you enjoy that. Do you kind of see that this is all kind of related? It all kind of, kind of is part of that same part of your personality. You know, I'm just seeing it. Yes, I do. So, and, and now I'm not trying to put myself in the same level as you, because I don't see myself in that, but I do. There's some similarities. And this is, I think part of why you and I get along so well, besides the theme park and the coasters and these things we have in common, but I love helping people, and that's why, you know, I've been working in my Monday through Friday career job for the past 20-plus years. I've been in customer-facing roles. Right. Uh, And even furthermore, a number of the roles that I've had, not my current one, but a number of roles that I've had have been where I've been training people, training fellow teammates, as well as training customers. Multiple roles, multiple jobs. And I love doing that. Again, I love helping people. And similarly to you, when I'm at the parks, one of my favorite things, and this is one of, my, one of the reasons why I love moving to Florida. Because of all the places I've lived, I've lived all over the country. Right. Florida is the one, the most, where I get the most people, friends coming in to visit. Because it's Orlando. Right. Yeah, park people exactly. And so I have people staying with me. But, you know, I have people, you know, going with the parks to me that for the first time, which is one of my favorite things. Or at least going on a ride for their first time with me. And, and I love seeing that emotional reaction or just their reaction in general. And I, but I love, you know, again, the favorite thing, and I've done this so many times since moving here to Orlando, especially, is friends come to visit. I go with them to the parks and they've never been to that park before. And this is not about me running them ragged or, you know, because they don't know what they're doing and taking control. I, I, you know, they look to me as a leader because they don't know where they're going and all that. They, right. they, I'm like, I ask them, what do you guys want to do next? You want to do something like this or this? Or, and it's always the same thing. It's, and it's fine there. It's always, well, you know, this park, just what, whatever you think is best. But I still ask throughout the day because I don't want to run and take control of things. But so what, what, what I do like about taking them and being that tour guide, so to speak, is seeing their reaction. It's like a kid in a candy store. And, you know, going on Spider-Man for the first time, going on Velocicoaster for the first time, going on Rise of the Resistance. You know, I, you know, just took Larry and Gene and a whole bunch of other friends last uh, November. They had not been, Larry and Gene had not been to Disney. You know, you joined us for, for part right, of that. Yeah. Right, they had not yeah. been to Disney in like 10 years. And yeah. they have been to those parks, but they had not been to Whole Lands, Pandora, Galaxy's Edge. And they're, they're big theme park people. And to see even their reaction to these rides and these lands and, I just love that stuff. Uh, and so, you know, you and I have some similarities, but again, going back to the job stuff, I, I'm not surprised at all that you have these such great positive reactions from these people that you trained and that you mentored. And it's probably why, as I know, because you've been promoted to your current job, you've been there for what years now, what, three years, four years, four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. 
and you've been promoted there. And I'm not surprised at all that, you know, that you've done well there, especially now in this team lead role. I, you know, if I could give you some advice, Michael, is uh, is lean into it even more as you're yeah. moving forward. I think you're a good natural manager and a natural trainer or natural uh, mentor. Thank you. you. I think you like selling those roles. So absolutely. Absolutely. So this next question we've added here for season three, and I believe I I really think it will be a permanent question from this point forward. And uh, I, I think I've had a couple interviews where I've asked this already, but I want to explain this to each guest. So uh, we had one of our big fans of coaster challenge, one of our longest standing fans, Again, I mentioned these younger listeners of the show and and, and fans of the show and, and our channel and our mission. Uh, he was one of those younger ones. He was, I think, 13 or 14 when David first met him. Uh, his name was Dustin and uh, Dusty. And he, very sadly, uh, his life was taken away from him long, long before it should have. I mean, he, again, I think he was 16 or so now. But I think, uh, and he, he, he just passed away this early this year. And you know, especially David, I had never met him. I met, I've talked to his mom, but David knew him and was friends with him and friends with his mom and really good people. And it's very sad what happened to Dusty and right. it's kind of putting mortality kind of right front and center, especially for David. Uh, and, you know, I lost a very close friend of mine last year, a uh, much older person who's lived a full life, but still mortality. So I can relate to this as well. And, so we, 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 all, we now are asking this next question with that mortality, with these kind of people in mind. And so, you know, whenever your life, when you, whenever your ticket's up, as the saying goes, hopefully it's not for a long time, of course, Michael. How do you want your family, your friends, your colleagues, those who knew you, how do you want them to remember you? What would you want them to say about you? Um, so... Great question. Um, I'm glad that it's one of one of the last ones because kind of what 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 we're discussing is kind of influ- influenced my answer. But I I want my family and friends to to remember me as someone that loved parks and loved helping people and helping people have fun at the parks. Um, like I said earlier, I I was bullied by other family members and by friends for loving them. Well, not friends, but I'm bullied by people in um high school. I was bullied for loving the parks and I, I just want to be someone that loves helping people have fun there. And also someone that ha- had fun whenever he could, um, even if it, if it was by myself, just someone that took advantage of going to parks every weekend. So that that's fantastic. First of all, Michael, I love that answer. And I, I Love that, you know, our discussion inspired your answer because that that's very meaningful. But also what's meaningful, Michael, is two things. One, this is an opinion, but, you know, I've shared this already here today. You're very good at being that tour guide, at being that helpful person. And so that, that's great that you want to be remembered that way. That's fantastic. But number two, I don't know if you realize this, but you, you kind of talked about these people, high school kids, you know, some distant relatives teasing you about loving the parks. And you're living your life, your best life, as the saying goes, as they say. Exactly, I am. You know, at the parks, going to the parks. But on top of that, you want to be remembered by, by people as doing what you do so well, which is to help people enjoy the parks 
and get the most out of the parks. So you are basically, if to, to be a little crude here, giving a huge middle finger to those people early in your life that bullied you. Because not only have you continued to enjoy the parks, Michael, but you're helping others to enjoy them as well. Yes. See what I'm saying? It's kind of powerful yeah. if you think about it. So go you is the bottom line. You, I think that's a fantastic you know, way that, that you want to be remembered by. And, you know, and ultimately, it's how you're living your life. It's what you're focusing yeah. on, your, your mission, your passion. And I think that's fantastic. So you keep it up. Keep it going. So thank thank you. you. Absolutely. So our last main question we ask all of our guests. Now, you're, you love helping people. So this is a natural question. So you could think of this in terms of the parks, but oftentimes people answer this question in terms of our mission, which is the theme park therapy. It's basically getting more than even just enjoyment out of the parks, you know, facing fears, dealing with anxiety, facing and, and minimizing depression and you know, even physical ailments and, and, and just living a better quality life by going to the parks uh, and, and not being not giving into fear in general in life. So, you know, however you want to answer this, but again, the question is, what advice would you like to give those that are listening? Yeah, um, I do have one more story I want to tell um, sure. at the end of that of this question. Um, first, get a job at, at your local park. Um, d just do it, um, even if it's culinary or which, even if that's the only one open or a position you don't want to be. Get, get a job at your local park so you can start meeting people. Um, and then second thing, go to IAPA. I know like I've helped help Larry and Jean get in and I'm, I'm willing to help anyone that wants to go. I'm willing to help them. Um, definitely go, even if you have to pay like I had to at the beginning, um, maybe be an IAPA ambassador. I actually know a few people that have been become very successful in the industry because they've been IAPA ambassadors. I never had the opportunity to be one, and I really wish I did. So look into that. Um, I really wish I got to do that um, when I was in my 20s. Um, and once you have that chain that you know you want to be at, if you want to be at Disney, you want to be at Six Flags, like that's your chain, try to meet people and maybe try to travel to the other parks in that chain. Um, with Disney, it might be hard. There's only Florida and Orlando. There's only Florida and California. Um, maybe it's kind of easier with Cedar Fair and Six Flags to travel to multiple locations. Um, right. But once I knew that SeaWorld was a chain that I wanted to work at full time, um, I did what I could to go to San Diego and go to Williamsburg every time, every chance I could, and even go to Sesame Place when I was in Pennsylvania for a wedding. Um, so once you, if you do decide to pursue that that career, and you know that chain you want to be at, try to meet as many people as you can. Um, and remember, there is more to theme parks than just rides. A lot of people think, oh, you're a rides manager. No, there's so much more. Um, I used to always think it's just operations. No, there's so much more than that. Um, but I do want to tell one one great story that I have. Before um, you tell that story, yes. real quick, Michael. So I just want to relate because I, I meant to mention this earlier and I forgot. One thing that I have to thank you for, and, and I, I thank you for this individually, but I think you know, it's good for our listeners to hear this. And it relates to what you just said about if there's more to theme parks than just the rides. Yes. So I had gone to Bush Gardens Williamsburg once in my life in when I was a kid. I, right. I, we did like I was in the concert band in school, and we did a band trip. 
we performed down in Virginia. I was I grew up in New Jersey, and we went to Colonial Williamsburg and went to Bush Gardens Williamsburg. This is before I was into the park. I was not an enthusiast. I did Big Bad Wolf, and that's about it. Nice. And I was a kid. I couldn't appreciate parks. So it was I was like eight years old or whatever. And then I went back there for the first I've been back there many times since, but I went nice. back there yeah. for the first time years later. Uh, this was, let's see, it was, gosh, more than 30 years later. And this is after meeting you. And I remember I was in kind of a, a little bit of a rush that day. One, because I had a lot of credits to get. I do like getting right. my credits. You do. And I had to, I was flying out of Richmond back home to California. I was living in California at the time. Uh, and yes, yeah, so you and I have known each other before I moved to Florida. And uh, I, you know, need to get my catch my flight. So I couldn't even stay at the park all day. So, but you told me to see Celtic Fire. I love the story. Tell it. I love it. Okay. So you told me to see Celtic Fire. And again, I love shows. I love, I love, you know, musicals and plays, you know, not involving the parks, just Steve entertainment. I love that stuff. And, but I love shows at the parks too. It's kind of related. And I didn't know anything about the show. And I don't like looking things up in advance. I didn't know about Celtic Fire. I just knew it was a show. And I had Celtic in it, and it was like, okay, this is great. I love Celtic music. I love all that kind of that that culture. And so I go, and I'm like, you know, and and by the way, Michael. So before I get to the show, going back as an adult to Bush Gardens, Williamsburg, and now one, of course, being, being able to go on all the coasters I was afraid of as a kid, and all these new coasters that weren't even there when I was a kid. That's yeah, that was great. That was great. And Griffin's fantastic, and Alpengeist is fantastic. For Bolton, it's amazing. Like, all these new experiences. But that park itself just blew me away. The how beautiful that park is! All the water and the waterfalls and the streams, yeah. and and the 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 landscaping, and then the food I had was fantastic. Marco Polo, great great restaurant, uh, like yes. style. That My favorite one they have there. So good, so good, and just all the themed lands. I was like, wow! And it, it that is the best park in the chain by far. Because I've been to all of them. I've been to Sesame Place too, and all the SeaWorld parks, and all the, the, the you know, both bush parks. And love, love, love that chain. And that's why I go there now several times a year. But anyway, so I went to Celtic Fire, knew nothing about it. And I go in there, I see it's a you know, little auditorium, and I sit very close up front. It's not a busy day. And what I then witnessed over that next half hour, I was blown away. Because yeah. what I witnessed was a show that is up there. With Disney, Universal, the best of the best, yes. Hollywood, you know, and it's a it's a Celtic singing, dancing show. It's got a story to it. Won't go into too much detail. Won't spoil it for anyone. I've gone back and seen that show a couple times since, right? And but I I if it weren't for you, Michael, I may not have seen that show yet. Right, and you've told so, me that when you go with enthusiast friends or like um group meetups, a lot of people don't want to see the show because they just want to do the coasters. Yeah, the only friend that I can think of that likes that show, because I have local friends that live there, and they're like, ah, no, I don't care about that. But oh, um, but one person that I know likes that show is Austin. And, oh, he does. Austin, cool. Austin is more of a theme. He's both, a, he's like me, theme park and coasters. He straddles both both worlds, if you will. But uh, and that's why he very much values themed, highly themed coasters. So, uh, but yeah, he likes that show. But I, I wish more enthusiasts, if I could add on to your advice, I don't usually do this, Michael, but just in the spirit, 
I'm giving some advice today, folks. Free, free advice. If you're a coaster enthusiast, do yourself a favor. Try to branch out. Try the other things at the parks. And don't do it. I don't want to name names. I'm going to be bad. But don't do it at a low-quality park. Go, you know, at an amusement park, at a regional park. Go to, again, a Butch Gardens Williamsburg. Go to a Disney, a Universal, and check out the shows there. Check out this alternate stuff they have there, you know, the better the food and, and the parades and, and, and that kind of stuff at those higher-quality parks. A Dollywood's another good example. You might find you might like some stuff besides coasters. So Yes, I love hearing that. So you have a story, Michael, so please. Yeah, um, so th this is back when I was um, did want a full-time career in the parks. Um, I was working at SeaWorld San Antonio at the time, and we had ma managers from all the other parks that were visiting our park for one weekend for a big corporate ride inspection that happens once every three years. And I met a manager. Um, I met a manager from San Diego, um, and he's actually in Orlando now. Um, and then there was a manager from Orlando at the time, and then there was a manager from Busch Gardens Williamsburg um, at the time. And I got, got to meet all of them, but I bonded with the Williamsburg manager the most. And um, I, did, I didn't really become a Facebook for anything, but I, I we just had a, a, a few good conversations. And then I transferred back to um, Busch Gardens Tampa. And then I was actually going to up to Williamsburg with my family um, for a big family vacation. We were doing three days at Busch Gardens and one day at King's Dominion. Um, oh, wow. And I actually sent that manager from Williamsburg an email. And I said, hey, I met you during the big corporate ride inspection. I'm, at, I'm in Tampa now, and I'll be here in Williamsburg. And I'd love to meet you and say hi again. And she met up with me. She gave me her number and said, text me when you're at the park on this day. And we met up. And we actually had um, soda together. <laughs> I had a Coke, and I forgot what she got. But we had we, about 30 minutes together. And we became Facebook nice. friends. And I see her every time I go to, to Williamsburg now. That's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. And, and I, I, I really love how much you cherish these personal connections and relationships that you've developed from working at the parks and, and you know, going to these events and so forth. And, and my first job, I don't talk about it much, was at the parks. It was at a local park. It's called okay. Fancy Island in New Jersey, not the one in New York. Small, right. It has one coaster, powered coaster, as a dragon wagon, basically. Small little park. I worked in the food stands there when I was 14 to 16 cute little beach side park and but that i didn't stay in the industry that was just what i did right yeah i like i like parks even back then uh, and then i moved on to other things but uh you know i enjoyed everything but my involvement like you with the parks and with this community is both as an enthusiast and also being part of this podcast and you know certainly i've met a lot of friends before this podcast but through the podcast i've met a lot of new friends uh, and especially in, uh, in some cases, people that are at the parks and like your story um, here at this podcast, myself, David, you know, we've become very good friends with Jeff Tucker, who's one of the managers at Knott's Prairie Farm. He's been there for 20 oh, cool. years now. And and he's an awesome guy. And actually, I was just talking to him today. Super nice guy. Very funny. Very. Uh, we have very similar perspectives on things. We relate to each other, but super nice, intelligent. And whenever we go to Knott's, he he makes an effort and he hangs cool. out. Cool, that's he's wonderful. Not a coaster guy. He doesn't love coasters. He's not a coaster guy. He's more of a theme entertainment guy. He writes show stories for shows. He's a show writer, so he doesn't go on the coasters with us. But he'll hang out and grab lunch with us and chit chat and 
And it's just such an amazing guy. And, and so, you know, those personal connections that we make you through working directly in industry, you know, David and I through, you know, this podcast, through this, through this channel, uh, you know, it's just, it's so, so awesome. So, so uh, noble and awesome. So also, you that. never know who you're going to run into. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I've had so many small world stories. Absolutely. absolutely. Yes. So, Michael, the last thing, uh, and I know you're going to have some things to share here, uh, and I think in your case, you're going to have personal ones and some other ones because of the other volunteer work that you do. So where can people find you and interact with you? You know, you mentioned, for example, that uh, you can help with the IAPA, getting to IAPA. Hopefully that we can still do that with the rules changing. Right, yeah. I don't have any, I don't have any, I'll keep my fingers crossed. I mean, that's, no that, 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 that's another podcast discussion. Go back to, go back yeah. to our podcast from November 28th. Yeah, go back to our yes. IAPA 2022 recap episode, folks, back from November, or actually, yeah, very end of November of last year, 2022. Check it out. We uh, no, no holds barred. We talk about the problems that happened and our, our, our opinions on it. But uh, anyway, so hopefully people will be able to still get in and, you know, reach out to you. So how can people reach out to you about Bush Gardens and just maybe interact with you? They like what you have to say and get to know you, some new friends maybe. You know, yeah. social media, you know, I know you're on Twitter and Instagram, a little bit Facebook, you know, any web, if you have a website and then, you know, any of these groups like on Facebook or elsewhere that you're a part of these, you know, park enthusiast groups or, or hypothetical groups to share all that. It's time sure. To yeah. Um, so the two Facebook groups are called SeaWorld Orlando Annual Pass Members and Bush Gardens Tampa Annual Pass Members. They end with members. There are some holder groups, but um, my group is the members group at the end. Um, and then my t Twitter is my favorite app is, as you know, um, my use, my username is actually, Hey, underscore Muldoon. So H E Y underscore Muldoon. And then I have Instagram don't go on as that much. Um, but that's M Muldoon seven, two, six. And then I also have Facebook as well. Great. Great. Thank you, Michael. And I'm not just because of how busy I am with life. I don't, I'm not as, as active in a lot of Facebook groups as I used to be. Uh, and it's not active on Facebook. I'm, I'm an Instagram. I become an Instagram guy, which I know right. you're not as big on Instagram. I just, I just like Instagram a lot. And that's where I spend as little time as I spend on social media these days. That's where I spend most of my time. But, but I will say I do go into the Facebook groups that you mentioned, the, the Bush Gardens one, because, you know, Kaylin's really active in there and Kaylin's off. Right. Uh, it's another person we're planning on having on the podcast here. Oh, you are? Uh, yeah, I want to ask you if, yeah, if he was going to be on or not. Yeah, he, it's just he doesn't come to Orlando much, and he wants to do it in person. So it just, he's, he, his, his requirements have made it a little more challenging, that's all. But oh. It's all right. We'll have him on. Weird, okay. But, and then Nicole, I, I met recently. Nicole's awesome. She's one of the other admins on there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little biased because I know these people, but they're good groups, people. So check them out. Check them out. They're, they're, they don't have a lot of, you know, drama and whatnot. And they're just good groups with good people. So, so thanks for sharing that, Michael. And, and, you know, again, thank you, Michael, for taking the time to chat with me today and have our listeners learn a lot more about you. And, and uh, so I love the stories and the positivity. Keep it going. Of course. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm, I'm honored. Our pleasure. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. Be sure to like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today.